Welcome to St. Mark's Cathedral Conversations, a podcast featuring members of the St. Mark's Cathedral community in Seattle, Washington. These interviews feature lives of faith and adventure, service and connection. Here's our host, Michael Pereira. I think most people at St. Mark's Cathedral know Adam Conley as the really tall guy who goes to another church who also works with the service corps. But I've had the opportunity to sit and talk with him a few times, and Adam has an amazing story, an amazing journey of his own faith in the church, and how this connects to the work he does with the Corps, but also so many other things that he does at St. Mark's. And so I'm really excited and happy to take the time to sit down with Adam Conley. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Cathedral Conversations today. Thank you for inviting this conversation. For those who don't know you, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got started with church life in general. Tell, if you're not from Seattle, tell us how this place got started for you. And then broadly how it all resolved into us being in your office here today. <laughs> no small question. Um, <clears throat> I am from Seattle. I was born here, not far from here actually, up at uh, what was then called Group Health on the top of uh, 15th, or top of Capitol Hill. Um, up on 15th, and um, born into a, uh, a Christian family. Um, my uh, church was very important, and faith was very important in childhood. That was a time, I like to say, that I was building the container for my faith. It was a simple time of safety and security and, and family, and that's what faith meant. Um, I had a one, We went to First Presbyterian Church downtown. Uh, my grandfather was a, a soloist in the choir there. Uh, my grandmother's side were, um, she came from a, a, a she's a preacher's kid uh, in the Methodist tradition, so very much, you know, Protestant, uh, mainland, mainline Protestant growing up. Um, I went to, uh, I went to Whitworth University, it was then called Whitworth College. Um, I majored in philosophy, but I was also involved in theater and, all, and as well as the, the concert choir which was um, pretty well-known and respected uh, in those days. We um, kind of came in the St. Olaf, because of our, our Lutheran choir director, we came in the kind of St. Olaf uh, tradition. I love singing sacred music, and that drew me into an ever-deepening curiosity about more liturgical expressions of Christianity. Um, uh, and that was kind of my first introduction to things like vestments and liturgical seasons, and uh, I just gobbled that up. I felt like I had come home. Uh, so um, that, was, that was certainly an important moment in the, my journey. Um, I moved from there. After college, uh, I came back to Seattle, and I was familiar with St. Mark's Cathedral because um, before college, as a high schooler, I used to come to Compline on Sunday evenings and that was uh, that was an incredible that was a magical mystical I may not have used those words then but that was <laughs> that was a that was an experience that that tugged at my heart strings that spoke to a, the very center of who I am and was and uh, like 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 high schoolers still do today we used to I would go with friends on a Sunday night and we would lay down in the in the aisles um, or up on the this was before the 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 west rose window and screen was installed so we would go up there into the into the uh, um, uh, 
sanctuary, the, right. the choir, I guess, and, and lay down um, on these big oriental rugs that were up there. But in any event, so I knew St. Mark's. I was attracted to that. Uh, I knew about Compline. And when I came back from college, uh, I started to attend St. Mark's Cathedral. And actually, soon thereafter, joined the Cathedral Choir with Mel Butler as our choir master and had a wonderful experience singing for a couple of years. Uh, became a member of St. Mark's, and uh, but it was in 2000, so this is the late, late, late 90s, and then in 2000 I moved to London, and uh, ostensibly to discern vocation for ordination. It was, it was an informal discernment process, I wasn't a declared postulant or anything, but um, because I had done some traveling um, while I was in college to London, I became connected um, with a small network of friends associated with a, an Anglo-Catholic church called um, All Saints Margaret Street and uh, in Oxford Circus. And I, <clears throat> an opportunity to work for a church in London came up. And I thought, well, I'll do this and see if I like this, this line of work. See if I like working in the church. So it wasn't so much about ordination, although that was sort of the thing that was out there on the horizon, yeah. if, that, if that made sense. So um, <clears throat> I worked for a church called uh, St. Andrew Holborn. And I worked as a verger and and sacristan and pastoral officer. That was my, my so card did, said that. You did a little bit of everything. I did a little bit of everything, yes. I mean, everything from organizing a, a Wednesday night liturgy with a shared meal afterwards to, you know, cleaning the, the toilets. So good, good exposure. Um, <clears throat> also, my first exposure to the daily office, which I think is oh. a rich gift of... Anglican um, spirituality. It was a wonderful experience. I ended up coming back to Seattle after two years, deciding not to pursue ordination, although <clears throat> I had a spiritual director there. I was actually went through the catechumenate process there and was actually confirmed at um, St. Paul's Cathedral uh, at the Easter Vigil of 2002. So I guess I'm really an Anglican in some ways. Um, anyway, I, uh, I came back to Seattle and... Um, through a variety of circumstances and life events and the place that I was at, I actually found another Episcopal parish in Seattle called St. Saint, Saint Paul's uh, Episcopal Church down in the, in the foothill of, in, the, in Lower Queen Anne. So part of what, what drew me to St. Paul's Episcopal Church um, was that it, it claimed um, an Anglo-Catholic identity. I've been a, <clears throat> I've been a uh, member there since 2006, my, I, I got involved in lay leadership there. Um, I, I was a, became a member of the vestry and even eventually a junior warden and then a senior warden. I think the exciting thing for me now, um, in, in a way coming back to St. Mark's, um, is that I get to be, I don't know if bi-parochial is the word, but um, I get to be in two places and experience the the rich joys and the unique gifts and personality and character of two communities and to be upheld in prayer and in community by, by two communities. Uh, and so um, that's a real gift. And I'm still just beginning to see what that is all about and discovering what that might mean. Uh, as I get to know folks here uh, again, uh, it's been a long time since I was a member here. So I'm really getting to know folks in a new way and really enjoying, I really enjoy the, the leadership and the clergy here. It's an inspiration to work with them, <laughs> um, to be, you know, there's so many smart people here, man. Um, uh, but it's a great place for formation and for uh, learning and for worship. And so I enjoy, you know, I enjoy dipping my toe back in the St. Mark's water um, on the occasional Sunday 
um, and hearing that great Flintrop organ and uh, the choir. And, you know, <clears throat> I didn't mention this, but when I was in London, um, and I would, people would say, where are you from? And I would say, Seattle. Um, invariably, um, they would say, somebody who was an Anglican or in the, you know, part of the Church of England would say, oh, that's where Peter Hallett was, right? Or, and that's where that Compline thing is so oh, successful. Oh, wow. And so that was Peter Hallett and Compline and sometimes the Flintrop, which <laughs> I think is like the second biggest Flintrop installation or something in the world. Those three things, especially Peter Hallett and Compline, would mm -hmm. come up unprompted um, when I would talk to people about, about Seattle. So that's an association that I think at least people in England and London have with, um, with the Episcopal Church in Seattle. So that's kind of cool, and I'm all, I'm very grateful that those those um, those high school years uh, where I was coming to Compline on Sunday night were really formative for me. Yeah. Uh, I can draw a line back to that. Anyway, uh, so it's great to be here now. And why am I here now? I haven't said that yet. Uh, so I am here because I am employed by St. Mark's as the director of the Seattle Service Corps, which is the Seattle um, the Seattle program of um, the Episcopal Service Corps, which is a national network of service year programs um, uh, that invite young adults, typically um, you know, 20 to 30, 20 to late, you know, somewhere in their 20s, um, to come and live in intentional community and to practice um, uh, rhythms of prayer uh, and, and uh, to forge community, to build uh, covenants with each other around values of sustainability and simplicity and uh, and also to go out into the world and to volunteer and to be of service um, so we're forging servant servant leaders and so it is a wonderful formation year discernment year um, for young adults to pause uh, typically they come after college although that's not required but they'll come after college and take a year to just listen to what the spirit is calling them into um, in life, and while doing that, practice these, practice spirituality, practice service, practice, it's all about practice. And, and I'll tell you, the rich gift of this for me is that I get to do formation right alongside <laughs> these folks. I mean, it, that, is, that is why I am in this place of, I mean, is, this, is the, this is the coolest job I've ever had. Uh, and it is so much fun because I'm learning and I'm going deeper and uh, for me, going deep is what it's all about, and so um, I get to do that alongside these folks every Monday. So this, I don't know how much people know about the Episcopal Service Corps, um, but the, to, to get out of the airy fairy language for a second, uh, the structure of it is pretty uh, simple. Um, four days a week, uh, Service Corps members volunteer with a partner nonprofit, or maybe it's a church, uh, but typically a nonprofit organization that's doing direct service with vulnerable populations. So there's a kind of a service opportunity. They have that same placement for the 10 months of the year that they're here. And here in Seattle, it's this September to the end of June. And they do that for 10 months. And then um, they live in intentional community here in Leffler House. Where you mentioned intentional community. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? Uh, so intentional community, well, yeah, so it's inspired by the monastic model. So it's about uh, the value of living together with a rule of life, which comes out of, um, it's very Benedictine, right, to, to have a rule of life. So the service corps members, we do some formation around how to build a, a rule of life, but they build their own rule of life. They decide how they want to commit to sharing meals together, how many meals a week they want to share, how they want to shop and cook and break bread together. 
breaking bread at table, I mean, talk about incarnate theology. I mean, you know, the, the, the good stuff that's happening, you know, the, the, the holy work of community is happening when they're, when they're sharing meals and, uh, and preparing for those. And uh, I just think that's, I get, I'm invited for dinner tonight. So I'm, this is my first time eating with them uh, nice. as a guest. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, it, they certainly cook a lot better than I do. As, as last, year's, last year's program is any indication. Um, we had some amazing chefs. Um, by the way, this is, well, uh, okay, so, um, see, this is what happens, I can go all over the place. Um, so, so intentional community is about living um, with a rule of life that gives structure and cadence and ritual to the week, and well, to the day, to the week, to the month, to the ten months that they're here. Uh, it, it's about sharing meals, it's about pr uh, trying different spiritual practices and prayer practices together exploring what it means to be a community of faith. Um, and it's also, it's, it's about, it's about, and this is, this is not me, this is my predecessor, Malcolm McLaurin. Uh, it's about staying in the room. And so when, what that means is when there's something to celebrate, when there's joy, when there's delight, um, we stay in the room and celebrate that together. Um, as well as when there's conflict and when there's challenge, we stay in the room and we name that uh, so that we can process it and deal with it. So it's about, it's about really living in commitment with, um, with your housemates and, uh, and not, not, it's about facing life. It's about engaging life fully and, and with all the joys that that brings and also with the challenges. And so it's really a commitment, a covenant with, between each house member and, and um, their community. So it's, and it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the bedrock, I think, again, going back to the monastic model, a prayerful, intentional Christian community, breaking bread together, praying together, living together, laughing together, crying together, that is bedrock to the ability to go out and be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world, right? That's how action, that's where the action comes from. Uh, and so... That's the, that's the nourishment, the source, the energy. Um, and then four days a week, so four days a week, 32 hours a week, each core member um, goes out and does their service work at their site placement somewhere in Seattle. Um, every Monday is a formation team, the community building day where I'm with them all day and we will try different spiritual practices in the morning. Um, the model for the day is we try a spiritual practice in the morning for about an hour. And then there's a check-in, um, just how's everybody doing, um, some kind of guiding check-in question um, to see how folks are. And so I can kind of get into the picture and see how I can support and, and mentor and, and just be present with folks. And uh, maybe it's just basic business items too, what has to happen in the house, you know, something broken, whatever. Um, and then, um, and then we, uh, we'll have a, a well, we have a, uh, then we have guests that come in, typically guests, but sometimes it's me or different facilitators here from the cathedral who will engage the core in some kind of focused formation. Hmm. So I actually build a curriculum for the year, um, and there's sort, of, there's sort of three modules to it that we're currently, since it's just the beginning of our second month together, uh, we're in the first module, which is all about building community, building rule of life, self-care, trauma stewardship, forging resiliency, thriving together. There is so much, you know, these folks are doing, they're doing hands-on direct service. So it's, it's imperative that we build a foundation of, of, of resiliency and how to, how to, how to, how to engage in self-care practices. 
uh, how to address secondary trauma that can come up when you're working with you know, pretty, I mean, we have folks that are working at Northwest Immigrants Rights Project. Um, we have folks working um, at Emanuel Community Services, which they're dealing with, um, well, she, one person is dealing with uh, folks who are in recovery, folks who are homeless. Um, so there's a lot, it's, it's a lot. Um, I have respect for these folks, <laughs> our core members. They're out doing this work. So they need to have the, the, the basic skills and the foundation of how to also take care of themselves individually and in community. And that's about knowing yourself and it's about mindfulness. And, uh, and so then the second module is all about service. You know, why do we do what we do? What is justice? Um, um, and what are the theological reasons that we do, we do that? So this is my second year as the program director. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that. So I've had one full year. I came in um, May of 2018 and had the gift of being with Malcolm, my predecessor, and two and the last two months of that of that program year. And and I was invited in in a kind of onboarding role, but I was invited into that community, which was a, which was I know a big deal. And I was so grateful to be with those folks and get to know a little bit about the program. Then I I I uh, was the director for the full year of the 20. Uh, 18 2019 program year we had six core members um, and uh, and now this is my second year um, of, of a second program year um, so one of the things I learned in my first full year as a program director and I believe this with with every ounce of my being uh, is that at the heart of all justice work I believe is is racial justice and racial reconciliation one of the things that inspires me and inspires tremendous respect uh, for St. Mark's is its commitment to social justice. I think St. Mark's really has a, a deep heart and desire to, to, um, to be a force for good and for the love of God and for justice. And um, I think, I, I personally believe that at the heart of that is, um, is the fight for for equality and for racial justice and for racial reconciliation, and so, um, you know, this is this is complex work, but it's work that we have to approach with an open heart and a prayerful posture. And so, it's important to me and to the core. We've talked about this. It's important that we make this this work, this this white affinity work um, uh, towards justice, part of our the rhythms of our year. And so, that's why we're going to engage in sacred ground. In many ways, this is a revelation for me because I knew about the core. I knew that I knew a lot about. <clears throat> excuse me. I knew about the core. I knew a lot about what their work was, but I had no idea how deeply the roots went into formation, into theology, into so many of the practices that you're doing with them on a weekly basis, which is heartening for me because as much as I appreciate the work that they're doing with other churches, with nonprofits with various groups throughout Seattle and throughout this area. And the fact that it's so deeply connected with our traditions and our theologies, but to move forward and to move outward, that's, that's going to be hugely formative for these young people. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's formative for me, and maybe that's the echo that keeps coming through. And so, um, yeah, and so we, again, I, I mentioned three models. I don't think I taught, or three modules. Um, this, this is loose. Some of this also depends on when I can get somebody booked to come in, because it's all by the grace. You know, we can't pay anybody to come in. We're building up a pretty strong bench of formation leaders. Uh, there are the, the you know, there's, there's folks here at the cathedral. There's the clergy here at the cathedral. 
Um, but there are also other folks that um, I, you know, in my past, in the last year of doing this work that I've built relationships with and, and folks that I'm building new relationships with that come in and do, and do really interesting, great work with us. Yesterday, or Monday, we had, this week, we had um, Father uh, Edmund Harris, uh, the priest at St. Peter's in the International District come, and this was the second time he's done this, but he does a whole, he does a whole hour on Sabbath as a spiritual practice, um, and he's drawing on the work that Abram Herschel did, and, you know, the, 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 he's drawing on uh, Sabbath, Judaism really understands Sabbath as a spiritual practice. That's just an example of something, you know, he comes and engages with us, Sabbath as a, as not just as self-care, but as a, as a, as a religious, as a spiritual practice and a practice of resilience and of liberation. Um, so that's what we're doing now. And then we move into out of, you know, we move into uh, justice work, why we do justice, why we, what is social justice? Why are we engaged with this work? What are the reasons that our faith calls us to do this? And then that kind of moves into even deeper explorations of theology. So we'll have in the final, the final uh, trimester, I guess, of, of the year, we'll have folks come in um, and talk about queer theology and feminist theology and, and creation care and environmental theology. And um, there's, it, it sort of sounds kind of like a little seminary, but um, <laughs> there, there are, this is what, the feedback from last year's group was this is what there's a deep hunk for this stuff and so when we had I had some of this stuff come in they the feedback that I got from last year's group as they were leaving in June was more and more and more please so we, wow. we really see the connection between this work this prayerful work and this study and this reflection and service and our place in this world so I think that is the tremendous gift of this program and that's the gift to me and I think to the folks that are engaging in it um, so yeah does that make some sense? Oh, that was that was amazing. Thank you so much for shedding so much light on what happens here. Through, like I said, we have this appreciation for the work that these men and women are doing, as we should. It is vitally important work. But to know what happens here when they're here, the the things that they're learning, the experiences that they're having, uh, some of which are so abstract in some ways, but so deeply connecting with their perspectives and their identities as Christians called to do this work as part of this everlasting story of our calling, I guess, to, to bring the kingdom of God where it is so desperately needed in yeah. places that it doesn't exist yet. Um, I mean, for me, that's it's so eye-opening. I wanted to ask, you, so you've had the opportunity to work with a service score team from beginning to end. That was last year. What changes did you notice in them from the young people who came in here, maybe some of them the first time doing this kind of work, first time in Seattle, first time in a cathedral, whatever. What did you notice when they started and how that changed to 10 months later when they were ready to move to their next challenge? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's a, and it's a question that we invite um, those folks, our alum now, you know, to reflect on. And often... Often, I think the, some of the, the fruits of the work of this year may not reveal themselves consciously for a while. Um, but uh, but I, your question to me was, what have I noticed? What did I notice? And I absolutely noticed, you know, everybody comes in, as, and as, as we all do, everybody comes in with their own, their own baseline, their own, their own place, their authentic place of, of, of starting this work. And uh, I saw growth in every single person that was here. And that was an inspiration to me. And I think that growth is mostly around self-awareness 
and an emotional and spiritual maturity, um, the um, the ability to um, the ability to see yourself in the context of um, of a broader community, um, and what that means, um, and you know, and, and each person. Um, so I had I had outgoing breakfast meetings with everybody to kind of get, you know, to start the final evaluation and feedback process. And everybody said, man, I really learned something here. Or, or you know, this thing that was a challenge for me was something that I really feel I had, um, I had, I experienced growth in. Um, and sometimes it was something as tangible as, um, uh, last year we had somebody who was at a, at a, at a parish doing youth ministry, and he was really terrified of working with youth when he came in. But when he left, um, he talked about how he surprised himself really with how uh, he built up some comfort and some um, fluency working with that, that demographic. And I will say just personally too, uh, you know, he, he put together these incredible curriculum, uh, this incredible curriculum for those folks. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's about cultivating skills. Uh, and this person is now in, in seminary, you know, so it's about... It's about cultivating basic skills that we have to use to, you know, get up and do our work during the day. But it's also about um, forging, doing that inner work, uh, that, you know, that identifying what it is in life that is, here's the, the answer for your, to your question. It's identifying what it is in the world, the challenges and the joys that are grist for the mill, you know, wow. that are the things that, um, that teach all of us, and in, in this case, talking about the service corps members, but you know those challenges that you can then look back on and see how that forged growth and how that spurred maturity and and deepening doesn't happen in the moment um but um i absolutely saw it happen with everybody uh at some you know to a level that was authentic for them um last year and i'm seeing it even now even a month in um right now it's more about it's it's really exciting to be with a a group and first of all to bring you know, so last year was my first year doing this, and I didn't know what I didn't know this time last year, and I may be glad I didn't know what I didn't know last time. But you know, it takes a year of doing this kind of work to to, to begin to to get your sea legs in it. But um, you know, it's such a delight to see in this early stage of the program here to see folks forging community together and bonding and and uh, finding their identity not you know in in a in a in, in a community in a community that has that has. Uh, that has a groundwork of prayer and practice and 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 uh, so anyway it's uh there's definitely an arc to the service year and uh, um and it's just it's it's a privilege to be able to to witness and to to, to accompany folks on that on that journey so definitely. yeah this is with the exception of the two years that i was uh, in a in a paid but you know it was definitely an internship in london um this is the first time that I've been paid to do, ostensibly to do work, church work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, prior to that, I, I had a, a career in retirement and assisted living. I used to uh, manage a, a property, and then I shifted from that into the kind of corporate communications role. Um, and so that was more of a, you know, uh, that was actually a suit and tie kind of Monday to Friday deal. Um, but always my work, uh, my church work was grounding for me and was was sustaining me um, and drawing me. And, and really, that's where I think my passion and, and my, my heart catches fire. And so why am I doing this now? Um, well, I'm, 
I'm exploring my vocation, which is currently being lived and developed and, and is unfolding to me, uh, in the church. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. Um, I don't know, I'm not in any kind of uh, uh, formal discernment process for ordination or anything, and I don't know, I, I'm very open right now to where that leads. Um, but um, the answer to your question is, I'm doing this work as part of my own vocational discernment and my own formation and my own discovery of where and how God is calling me um, to be authentic Adam uh, in, in this world. And so um, that's, there's a, there, I have a very clear sense, uh, unfolding but clear sense, that I have a vocation, uh, I have a ministry. Yeah, it's a very enriching time of life for me right now. Um, and I think in some ways, uh, because my own personal spiritual practice and prayer practice is... Um, I'm discovering what that's all about in a way that is um, very directed, very intentional, um, and you know, I get, it's a sort of natural uh, companion piece to the work that I'm doing. But um, I believe more than ever that as leaders in ministry, our own prayer life and our own spiritual practices are the absolute bedrock um, grounding um, life force and uh, for for this kind of work, and so. I get to discover that, um, and alongside the core, in some ways, you know, I get to creatively come up with different spiritual practices and draw on the Ignatian tradition or Lectio Divina or Visio Divina or, you know, do things with with uh, with um, uh, artistic materials or do things with music and song and do things with the Psalms and I mean, it's just there's just it's it's a treasure trove that's unlimited. And so, anyway, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm delighting in all of that, not just in my in my work, but also in my uh, seeing how that's shaping my own life and my own prayer life. So that's very life-giving. I think that's a great note to end it on because we've talked so much about how all these different experiences lead to these powerful moments for us. So for you, you're starting the Presbyterian Church, your brief movement through the evangelical community, but then finding such a deep and rich connection in Anglicanism and Anglo-Catholicism and then in a way how it's such a similar experience to what the men and women of the service corps are going through now these, these deep connections to traditions and rituals and theologies that are thousands upon thousands of years old but how they remain to this day vibrant and relevant not just to developing a good spiritual life as important as that is but then to take that spiritual life and to live it out in places where that kind of connection is so desperately needed. And whether it's the people in the service corps or you and I having this conversation or the people in the cathedral, this is our work. This is what we do every Sunday. And God willing, it's what we do the other six days of the week. But to, I think to touch on that, to explicitly mention it, remains incredibly important. Otherwise, it's just stuff we do by rote and stuff that we take for granted. Adam Connolly, thank you so much for this amazing journey into what our work as Christians is, what we do on Sundays, what we do the rest of our lives. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our music was performed by Michael Kleinschmidt on the Flintrop organ at St. Mark's. Michael Pereira and Andrew Himes produced the podcast, and we hope you'll visit stmarks.org. So long.